Hey, what a tremendous irony that the theme of the day is suffering. <laughs> We're going to be talking about suffering from the book of 2 Timothy, and uh, I, I've had this most unusual experience. Normally, when you're wearing a shirt, the underarms are wet and the rest is dry. For a change, <laughs> I'm just the opposite. So, did not really plan on doing a reenactment of Noah this morning, but my shoes are so full of water yeah, right now. I was going to say, if you can hear the, the sloshing and the this squishing. Is, this is kind of, this is uh, fun and revolting all at the same time. Uh, yeah, we'll be talking about the price you are willing to pay to follow Jesus. So, uh, congratulations. Thanks for paying the price today, for coming out, even though as you were leaving the house, you thought, oh man, I could stay in, I could stay dry, but here you are, and we're glad you are. So, I, I, I was going to say this morning, prior to about 15 minutes ago, this is the most normal week I've had in months. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a nice, normal, just kind of got on top of things really well and, and felt like there's a little bit of a nice, a nice rhythm coming back to life. So mm -hmm. how about for you? It's been Good a week? minute since, that, since that's been right, a feel, right? Right, right. Yeah, uh, I'm, same. As we're building up towards Revive and Refuge coming back next week. Uh, so very excited. Next Sunday, next Wednesday, uh, we'll get both of those groups back and, and rolling. And we finally were able to avoid some rain last Sunday. And we got to go out to uh, the Shannon baseball fields and we're hitting softballs and hitting as many home runs as we can. Uh, and it was nice to see Michael Kuchar go down. Uh, Ryan did take him out, even though Michael was relentless in just chirping him for only being a pitcher, not being a hitter. Uh, Ryan was able to take him down by a, a homer or two. So it was, it was a fun time. Uh, and then Wednesday, we got to do some uh, Minute to Win It games. And we had a lot of kids uh, running around doing crazy, messy stuff. And Julie, uh, Julie Conroy is doing all of our social media for Southfield students right now. She's doing a great job. So if you don't already follow Southfield students on Instagram, you'll want to. Because mm -hmm. uh, she's going to do, a, she already is doing a 10 times better job than I could ever even imagine doing. So at SF Student Picks to follow along with everything that we're doing. She even has a countdown for uh, groups that are coming here in the, in the coming week. So I'm uh, looking forward to getting back to it. It's so funny because last night I, I found out that we use, you use Canva. It's a program or a, an app in order to design things for Instagram. And uh, they graciously give that, uh, a subscription to that for free to nonprofits. Mm -hmm. And so... I, I let Julie know that last night. I wish you could see the text. The girl was euphoric. She was so geeked out. She was so happy. So uh, made, made her weekend. She yeah. was just, I, I think she said, this is literally the best day of my life. So, I mean, she was excited. It was very cool. On your uh, update, there were a lot of things that came through. A lot of them look like last week, except you get the more expanded versions. So, one of the things that's happening right now is we start moving into group season, and as we do, um, there are one of two ways that we can approach groups. One is to have kind of a big uh, reveal, kickoff day. Here are all the groups that are available. Isn't this exciting? Pick the one you want. And the other is the approach we're taking this year, which is as people say, hey, I'll lead a group, we're putting it on the site. We're just going ahead and adding them as they come along. So if you were to go to groups, for example, right now and look, you might say, huh, there aren't as many being offered as I thought there would be, or there isn't one in my category yet, or whatever. They're coming. 
They're coming. We're, we're, we literally had a conversation this morning. Another one is being added. But That being said, that was what I was looking at as I was walking up on stage, is just how many groups are already offered. Uh, so there's already, we're already at 10 groups, uh, so plenty of stuff to get involved in. Uh, and we have some pop-up events. Um, volleyball's having a, a pop-up volleyball night here in a couple weeks. Basketball's starting next week, and then all the other journey groups. You want to make sure that you're checking the dates as to which, um, which group starts on what date so that you know um, when that's all getting rolling. So a couple of them are starting here within the next three to four weeks. You want to make sure to check out that journey groups tab in the app and get signed up. So if you haven't been around for us with groups, the way we work these, uh, you got kind of two approaches. One is some people have actually formed personally longer, small-term, uh, long-term groups. Mm -hmm. that, you know, people that they hang around with and, and, and get to know on a, on a deeper spiritual level. Those aren't ones that we advertise. The ones we advertise are more the, the welcome, open door, uh, get you involved. We like the concept of easy on-ramps, easy off-ramps. So we have more of a semester-based approach to groups. And uh, we like that. I've said it many, many times, but... There have been times perhaps that you've signed up for a group, you got in and you went, oh, I don't know if this is a good fit for me, and then you find out that the group is lasting for two and a half years, and you're trying to figure out how to politely kind of get out of that group. Um, so this way, at least if you do sign up for a group and a couple weeks in you go, it's not a good fit, uh, you're, you're only in that group for six or seven weeks and you can get an idea of what God might have been wanting to teach you in that. So easy on-ramp. Uh, we want you to be able to, if you're newer to the church, uh, be able to find those opportunities to get involved, and then easy off-ramp as well. So uh, take a look at those great growth opportunities uh, for us along the way. And even with that, not every group meets every week. So right. that's something that in the details, make sure you're checking. Because um, if your group doesn't meet every week, I, I know uh, Don is leading a group that meets only once a month. So if you miss one, you've missed a quarter of the group. You want to make sure that as you sign up that this is something that you can commit to, that you know, like, hey, I'm, I'm in and, and can come as, as often as possible. Because the relationship can't be grown um, if you're not there in the room with, with the group. So. Absolutely. We're continuing a summer of just baptisms as people are looking to get baptized, asking to be baptized. We head down to the river or fill the pool for you. So uh, we're going to be having some baptisms next Sunday after church. If you'd like to go ahead and uh, join in on that, you can sign up for that. And then we're also offering them on Labor Day weekend at our outdoor service. Outdoor, we do at 10 o'clock. Uh, bring your own chair, come, and we have a great time together uh, out enjoying whatever God is going to throw us. So far, those have been sunny days. But I tell you what, the way Sundays have been going, it's like drought, 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 Sunday morning, 8.55, let's rain. So, uh, so we'll see what happens with that, and who knows, maybe we'll just enjoy getting soaked. See, but No, we'll have a rain plan, don't worry about that. But is there anything else uh, you feel the need to highlight today? Oh, that's all I got. Well, before you go, did, did you do any um, Second Timothy listening this week? Second Timothy listening, yeah, on the way in. So, so what popped out to you today as you were driving in? Endure was your endure. Endure was the word last week. Yeah, uh, I, I did <clears throat> not have that same because I, it was really weird. On the way in, I listened to the same guy. I listened to the to the same way, um, and I was purposely trying to ignore the word endure. Mm. And in that. Nothing else like slap me in the face. <laughs> so as I'm purposely trying to, uh, to ignore one word and try and hear something else, because again, I've, I've made a habit of that on my drive to mm -hmm. Shanahan. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but no, nothing in particular. But I'm, I'm 
intrigued to see where, where today is going to go. Very good. Okay, thanks. Father God in heaven, we thank you so much for uh, being able to be, get, be together with other people who love you and are on journey together uh, toward ultimately being with you forever. Uh, we pray today as we get the opportunity to look once again at this letter that, that Paul wrote to Timothy, that you, will, that you will continue to form us into the image of Christ as we learn uh, from, from Paul through your Holy Spirit the things you have to teach us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So it is my hope that as we've been going through this very short letter, uh, you're enjoying uh, the experience together, four chapters, reading them or listening to them repeatedly, trying to catch the themes, trying to figure out what exactly was written there. Second Timothy, as we've said many times, is the last official writing of Paul. It's the last thing that we get before, before he is taken to heaven uh, through death. And uh, it's written to Timothy, who he considers a spiritual son. Timothy is running up against some challenges. He's the, he's the pastor at, at Ephesus and, and has had other itinerant ministries uh, as he's followed Paul around Asia. Uh, he's, he's struggling a bit, we find out from Paul. He's struggling with uh, a spirit of fear and timidity. He's also perhaps struggling some with a, a tendency to want to pull back, to be a bit ashamed maybe of the gospel or of Paul and, and what Paul is going through as a, as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So, so he's addressing that. And as he does, we, we start to see throughout the rest of the book some of the reasons that, that Timothy may be struggling. And one of them, if you're reading and listening, you're hearing a, a particular set of words come up uh, repeatedly, suffering and persecution. Suffering and persecution are part of, the, part of the theme of this ending book. And that shouldn't be a surprise to us. It is Paul's last book. He makes clear at the end of the letter that uh, he's in prison and that he will likely not get out. His life is about to be poured out like a drink offering. He realizes that the time of his departure is near. Once before he was in prison, he thought he was going to die, and God miraculously released him from that. And now he's come to this point that he's pretty sure his end is near. So it makes sense that suffering would be on his mind as he's spending time (coughs) in a Roman jail. But then beyond that, Brian mentioned a couple weeks ago the fact that this is happening during the reign of Emperor Nero. And Nero is, he's psychotic. There's no other word for it. The man is a literal madman, and he takes great joy, great pleasure in going after people of religious conviction. He takes great joy in going after Christians. So you have that environment, that environment of persecution of the church literally throughout the world, and Paul in prison, and it's with this in mind that he writes about suffering, but not just, not just any suffering, not perhaps the suffering we'd go through if we had a terminal disease or the suffering we'd go through if, if we've lost a loved one. He's zeroing in specifically on the suffering we experience due to persecution, the suffering we experience in those times that we stand in our convictions with strength and, and, and we, we're, we, we're come up against by external and internal forces. So this morning, we're going to be talking about this kind of persecution suffering. And as we do, I realize that for us as Americans, this conversation is a little bit more theoretical than it would be for some other places in the world. You, you need to understand, the American experience is a blip in human history. It's a blip. For the most part, there have not been nations that have been friendly to people of religious conviction 
and especially to people of Christian conviction. Time and time again throughout the world, even today, there are people who, if they declare that they're a follower of Christ, if they dare to go to a church on Sunday, they will find themselves under intense persecution. It happens again. Oh, well, thank you so much. It happens again and again and again, like I need more water. <clears throat> thank you so much. So, um, this is, it's, it's been known throughout the world from the beginning, literally, of the church. Here the church starts in Acts chapter 2. It's, it's flourishing. Thousands of people are coming to Christ. And pretty immediately, the religious leaders of the Jews come up in opposition against these people. And they're starting to be dragged into the prison to the point that Paul himself is a person who's standing, guarding the coats as Stephen, the first martyr, is stoned to death. So we have this setting throughout the world. And what we need to understand is that while we talk about it theoretically, and let me say, we do have people here who have suffered forms of persecution, people who have stood up for their faith at work and, and been limited in or lost their jobs because of the way that they stood up. Uh, we have situations where that has happened, but not on the grand scale that you would see in some countries throughout the world. But having said that, America needs to, and the American church needs to pay attention to suffering and needs to pay attention to persecution because our season is coming. Our day is coming. You know, there are many people who thought that the, the advent of secularism 50 years ago was going to be a great thing for religious people. Finally, people of all faiths would be able to, to just express their faith in this wonderful fishbowl of secularism. Where, where, where you had the freedom to believe whatever you felt you wanted to believe. What they did not realize is that secularism itself is its own religion, and it has its own doctrine and its own convictions. And when you come up against the religion of pagan secularism, guess what? They don't like it. And a great tenant of secular paganism is intolerance. They're intolerant of people of other faiths. And so we're going to see, I believe, as you see throughout the past 50 years, secularism uh, getting heavier on the scale and Christianity getting lighter, you're going to see political leaders who are going to have no problem taking on churches and taking on people of faith. And so we need to look at this realizing our day is coming. Our day is coming, and we need to be ready for it. So what I thought would be helpful today is to take this short letter of four chapters and look at every reference to the word suffering or persecution. Just see where they're referenced and what they're all about. And this is, this is something you could do in your own Bible study. You're looking for a particular word and the way it is mentioned throughout a book. So we're going to just survey the word suffering as well as persecution in these four short chapters. The first time we see it is in 2 Timothy 1.8. And what I've done this morning, I've given it to you in the English Standard Version. English Standard is a more literal translation of the Bible. Uh, literal is not always better. There are things that I could say literally, and if you don't understand the figure of speech, you'd wonder what in the world I'm talking about. Uh, we typically use New Living Translation around here, which uses something called dynamic equivalence. In other words, it translates ideas as well as words. It's not that one or the other is right. Both are needed together. We need the literal to be able to get the literal wording. We need the other to get the idea of what's being stated in the idiom. So between the two, they balance each other out. But for the sake of the most literal translation, I'm giving you English Standard Version this morning. 2 Timothy 1.8 says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. 
So he starts right out. He's only eight verses in. He's talking about the possibility of Paul, uh, of Timothy being ashamed of him because he's in prison. He says, please don't be ashamed with me. Be a partner with me. Be a partner with me in suffering. Just four verses later, he says, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed for I know whom I've believed. I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. So he uses that word suffer once again. Chapter 2, verse 3, we looked at these words last week. The, the soldier, the athlete, the farmer. He says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ. Be ready for battle. 2 Timothy 2, 9. He says, for which I am suffering, bound in chains as a criminal. He references his imprisonment. And I love that he says, but the word of God is not bound. The word of God is not in chains. Nothing can stop the word of God. That's why important, it's important on a Sunday morning that we're declaring the word of God, not just the pretty thoughts of Dennis. The word of God cannot be bound. He keep going into chapter 3, and he says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and my sufferings. He uses both words separately. That happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Now what's interesting here, and we'll point it out a little bit more in a moment, is the use of the word persecutions in verse 11, both of those are actually two different words. He uses two different words for the word persecution there. Come over to chapter 3, verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. It's a promise. If you, if you desire to live a godly life in Christ, you will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Sounds like 2022. And then 2 Timothy 4, 5. As you do, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So, you know, we're, we're into the month of school starts. It's time to get back to grammar, get it freshened up. I'm going to take you straight to some Greek grammar, and these words are really fascinating, okay? The first word that we saw mentioned for suffering is the word kakopatheo, kakopatheo, all right? Kakopatheo is just a basic generic word for suffering. It talks, about, it talks about suffering, but it has an implication not just of generic suffering, but suffering that comes at the hand of persecution, suffering that comes because someone is tormenting me. Now, what I did there, you see in parentheses, I put for you the number of times the word is mentioned in the New Testament, and then the number of times that it's mentioned in 2 Timothy. So it's only mentioned three times in the New Testament, and Paul uses it twice. Paul uses it twice in this single in, in this single book, both in chapter two and in chapter four. And you see again the references that we already talked about there, that the word of God is not bound, be sober-minded, do the work of an evangelist. In both of those, there's this recognition that his ministry and ministering can, re, can lead to suffering. Now, here's that word again. You can see the kakapatheo, but it's got a little tag on the beginning. It's got the, word, it's got the little preposition sin, S-Y-N. Sin is our word with. And so what he's saying here is, suffer with me. Share suffering with me. I don't want to go through this alone. Be a partner with me in suffering. And we saw that both in, in chapter 1, verse 8, as well as chapter 2, verse 3, that he's talking about sharing in suffering. Same word, but he uses the word with at the beginning of it. And we see with that word that it's only used twice in the New Testament. Guess what? It's used both times by Paul in 2 Timothy. 
So then going on, the next word is an interesting one. Another word for suffer, this is the word pasco. Now, if you come from a, from a Catholic background, you might be familiar with that term, the paschal mystery, the paschal ministry. Oh, my goodness. The Paschal Mysteries, my feet are wet. The Paschal Mysteries or the Passion of Christ, that's where this one comes in, that idea of suffering. And this is a little bit different use of the word suffer because in this one, he's not just talking about external affliction. He's talking about internal affliction. He's talking about the suffering he's going through emotionally because of the toll that's been taken. So when he talks about things like Alexander the metal worker has turned against me, he talks about people that he had been ministering with who are now on the other side fighting against him, you hear some emotion there. If you read the end of chapter 4, Paul is talking emotionally. He's sitting in prison, and he's talking about being alone, feeling very alone. That's where this word comes in to say not just that, that it's an affliction that we receive from the outside, but there's, a, there's an emotional pain that goes along with it. He says, it's why I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So he has both things going there. Then we get into two words for persecution. One is the word diagmas, used 10 times in the New Testament, once here. Oh, by the way, Pasco is used a lot, 42 times, and that one is used a lot of the suffering of Jesus. And so we have that piece coming in there as well. For this word, he talks about his persecutions and his sufferings, and it's exactly what you're thinking, that this is, this is just someone coming up against me, I'm a person of conviction, and for whatever reason, whether it is physical pain they're inflicting, emotional, financial pain, whatever it is, they're coming up against me and I'm having to endure this. But like I said, in that very verse, of chapter, verse 11 and verse 12, he uses, or, he uses two different words to describe persecution. He also uses the word dioko. Now, this word's interesting because it's also used in 2 Timothy 2.22. Do you remember 2 Timothy 2.22? You didn't see the word persecution there, but it's there. Flee the, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure part. Pursue chase after, chase after righteousness, chase after faith, chase after love, chase after peace. He's saying persecute these things. Go after them. Go after them to the point of catching them. And this is what Paul's talking about is persecution. Part of it is saying, I worry all the time. I'm being chased and I'm going to get caught. So you have a guy who's really under some intense duress because he's been willing to be a person of overt conviction to declare his love for Jesus. So let's just get some insights from these terms. What, what can we learn from them? First of all, Paul focuses on a very specific kind of suckering in 2 Timothy. It's not that it could not apply when we're sad over the death of someone we love or when we're going through a disease, but, but he's talking primarily about the suffering that comes when I stand as a person of conviction and because of that conviction, I suffer. Because of that conviction, I go through suffering. Now, that could be everything from political oppression to oppression at your job to quite literally your family turning their back on you. All those things come into play. But it's a specific kind of suffering here, a suffering that is tied to persecution. He, he refers to both an internal and an external focus. That yes, the government was against him. The religious leaders were against him. But they're motivated by Satan himself. They're motivated by spiritual powers. 
And so we find that this kind of persecution is not just, it's not just the physical that we can see before us, but it's the spiritual powers of darkness that are against us as well. It takes both a physical and an emotional toll. I wonder sometimes when you hear about the beatings these fellows endured, how many of them had, had broken bones and they'd walk with a limp or whatever it may be, and you knew that the reason that they were in pain was because of a beating and suffering they had gone through. There was a physical toll to be taken for following Jesus, but there was also an emotional toll. Don't get the idea somehow that Paul laid in his bed and I going, man, suffering's the best. I love this. I'm so glad I got my arm broken for Jesus. Oh, wow. I think there was a lot of, there was a lot of pain when he'd think especially about people he loved, people he ministered with who had turned their back on Christ and turned their back on him. There was an emotional toll realized as well. So what are the lessons then for us today? As we, as we prepare for seasons of suffering, as we go through seasons of persecution, what can we learn from these passages? Well, the first is this. Expect it. Expect it. Suffering, persecution, is the spiritual norm. We have been the aberration. America is the aberration Suffering for Christ has been the spiritual norm throughout human history and throughout the world. Jesus himself said what? If the world hates you, remember it hated me first. Don't forget it. You know, I think there are times <clears throat> that we, when, when we come up against opposition, when we're sharing our faith, when we're sharing something about something of our convictions, when we come up against opposition, I think there are times that we think that the, that the persecution or suffering that, that, we, that we endure because of that is because we did something wrong. We could have done it better. We could have said it better. There was some other way that if it had been packaged this way or whatever, it all would have worked out better. I do believe that we've got to take seriously when the Bible says that we're supposed to speak the truth in love. It's got to go hand in hand. But don't be under the delusion that you can say it so lovingly that the truth will never sting. The truth stings. People don't like to hear the truth no matter how lovingly it's presented. And so Jesus is saying, guess what? I did it perfectly. I'm God and they didn't like me. Do you think they're going to like you? Do you think they're going to be in love with you? He says the norm, the norm is suffering. The norm is persecution. If, if anything, we shouldn't be asking, what did we do wrong? We're being persecuted, but what are we doing wrong? We're not being persecuted. What, what are we doing? In what way are we maybe pulling back from speaking the truth lovingly in such a way that the person doesn't even realize we've spoken the truth. Jesus in Matthew chapter 10 says to his disciples, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Be shrewd as snakes, harmless as doves. Beware, for you will be handed over to the court and you'll be flogged with whips in the synagogues. I mean, I'm telling you what, there's a, there's a job description that you're really excited about, right? They join him because they think they're going to be popular. And he's like, no, you're going to get whipped. You're going to get flogged. Oh, you did not include that in the advertisement. What's going on here? This is the norm for the Christ follower. First Peter, Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, one of the tortured disciples of Jesus, who's ultimately martyred for Jesus. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a lion 
man looking for someone to devour, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. You see, one of the things that this should motivate us to do is to pray for our brothers and sisters throughout the world. Pray for our brothers and sisters who are coming up against intense persecution. Pray for our brothers and sisters. Just like Paul says, pray for me that I'll be bold. Pray for them that they'll be bold, that they'll be willing to speak the gospel even in the face of potential death. Expect it. He says not only expect it, he also says we need to endure it. We need to endure suffering. That's the way we receive it. It's funny, I mean, boy, this falls on, on, on deaf American ears because we, our, 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 our approach to suffering is avoid it, eliminate it. Avoid it, eliminate it. Do everything you can to make sure you don't suffer. And if you're suffering, there's a pill for that. There's got to be something you can do to eliminate it. Avoid it, eliminate it. And Paul says, endure it, endure it, endure it. And as we endure suffering, it exposes the fact that there are benefits to suffering, which you hear that and you're kind of like, with an American mind, you're saying, what in the world are you talking about? Well, one thing it does, as is, as is uh, evidence throughout the New Testament as well as in world history, is that it purifies the body of Christ. Uh, if you find out, if Jesus says to you, you will be whipped and you will be flogged, there are a few people that just kind of quietly walk away. There are a few people that just go, this, this is not for me. Following Christ comes at a price. And there will be people who will say, that price is too steep. No thank you, no thank you. It purifies the body of Christ. It also focuses the body of Christ. I think in times that are uh, fat and lazy, times that everything is going great, we, we tend to lose our focus we get obsessed with all kinds of things that aren't really the issue at all. But when this kind of suffering through persecution comes, boy, you're wanting to make sure that you are on target, you are on focus. Jesus is talking to his disciples and saying, I'm going to send you out as sheep among wolves. The second half of that passage says, but this will be your opportunity to tell rulers and other believers about me. Can you, can you imagine that? He's saying, this is actually going to give you an entree to share your faith, to do the thing you were supposed to be doing all along, sharing the gospel. He says it focuses the church. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that there's a focusing that comes through pain. He says, I begged the Lord to take away my thorn in the flesh. And what did God say? My grace is all you need. My power is made perfect in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, that's when his strength is revealed. And so he says one of the benefits is we finally realize we're not the ones doing this. This is God's work being done through us. It purifies the church and it focuses the church. And it also had the, the benefit of scattering the church. When things are all going well, we, we like to holy huddle. We like to hang out together, right? You come to Acts chapter 8, and it says that Stephen is stoned. Saul slash Paul is one of the witnesses, and it says a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. And sometimes God actually even allows persecution and suffering come to say, get to work 
get to doing what I said you were supposed to be doing in the first place. So we're to expect it, and we're to endure it. He also says, I want you to exercise for it. Preparing helps. Being prepared for suffering, being prepared for persecution helps. I think for many Americans, when this wave comes, we are going to be very much caught off guard. But we can prepare for times of pain. We can prepare for times of suffering because we've been people of conviction. How do we do that? Well, for one, we develop a biblical mentality. The American mentality, pain equals bad. Eliminate it. Get rid of it. Avoid it. The biblical mentality is not the American mentality when it comes to pain and suffering. Not at all, especially persecution. Peter says, so then since Christ suffered physical pain, you must iron yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you, have finished with, you, are, fin- you are finished with sin. Like he's saying, just like uh, Paul does in, in Philippians chapter 2, have the mindset of Jesus. What does Jesus say about this? How did Jesus live through this? How did he endure this? Reflecting on his crucifixion, reflecting on his passion and his suffering. How did he go through this so that we develop the mind of Christ? First Peter chapter 4 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. So again, part of the preparation is recognizing this is actually partnering with Christ. Going on in 1 Peter, he said, if you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed for the glorious spirit of God rests on you. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you says, develop a biblical mindset. What does the Bible say about this, and how should the Christ follower be living? He also says that it's really important to deepen your walk with God. Just continue while the season is good to deepen your walk with God. But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. As we talked about last week, it's not just knowing about Christ, but it is truly knowing Christ, entering daily into times where we have conversation, intimate conversation with Christ. Christ suffered for our sins once and for all time. He never sinned, but he died. Why? To bring you safely home to God. He wants you to enjoy the presence of God in his presence, not just when you die and go to heaven, but here and now. Paul says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. Again, can you say that? I want to suffer with Jesus, sharing in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. He says it's really important to deepen your close walk with God. And then beyond that, this sounds strange, but you need to deprive your body of comforts. This is where so many of the spiritual disciplines come in. Many of the spiritual disciplines are disciplines of deprivation. Fasting is a, is a, is a discipline of deprivation. We go without something. And in doing this, we receive in part the spiritual benefit of endurance. We're able to go through seasons of pain better when we're experiencing these. 
So we expect it, we endure it, we exercise for it. Here's the question, should we enjoy it? Is there something spiritual about enjoying suffering? Yay, I'm getting persecuted. This is the best. I mean, should we really be reacting that way? I got news for you. Even when you stand as a person of conviction and you are persecuted and you are suffering, it still stings. It still hurts. We hear the hurt in Paul's spirit. We hear that he felt it, that it took an emotional toll. In Acts chapter 5, when when Peter and the apostles are dragged into the religious leaders, they say, we must obey God rather than any human authority. And that was true for them, and it's true for us as well. We always obey God first. And he goes on to do some preaching and teaching to the point it says the high council is ready to kill them. One of the members steps in and says, hey, leave them alone. If what they're saying is true, we're in trouble. If not, it's going to go away anyway. They listen to the advice. Verse 40 says they called in the apostles and had them flogged. They were flogged. They were told never speak the name of Jesus again. And it says the apostles left the high council, get this, rejoicing that they have been counted worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Christ. Can you imagine being in a state like that? You're able to say, I suffered for Jesus. Thanks for the privilege, God. Thanks for the privilege, God. Blessed are those, Jesus said, who are persecuted for doing what is right, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be very happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. We don't enjoy it, but we take joy in it. We count the joy in every battle as we sing in another in the fire. We count the joy in every battle. Second Timothy chapter 2, we looked at this passage last week. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Looking at that second couplet this week, if we endure hardship, we will reign with him. You can look in the book of Revelation. You can look at the teachings of Jesus. You can look at the teachings of Paul. Throughout Scripture, it is quite clear. When we are willing to endure persecution, there is a reward for the Christ follower who stays faithful during those seasons. Now, as I said, a lot of what we're talking about comes at us today uh, from a theoretical standpoint. We, we don't stand the opportunity every day of losing our job, of losing our position in community, of, of losing our family, of, of, of being flogged and whipped because we stand for Christ. And we are very different in that way from the rest of the world. But as I said earlier, I truly believe that as, as the convictions of secularism continue to harden in our society we will find ourselves more and more up against times of persecution. They'll start soft. They'll start soft with things like name-calling, you're phobic, you're this, you're that. They'll start soft with financial consequences and things like that. They'll start soft with things like canceling and whatever. But in time as those things don't work, 
as people are still willing to continue to own and count the name of Jesus, the persecution will intensify. Here's the thing. Secularism is a religion. Those of you that don't believe it will find out in heaven that I'm right. Secularism is a religion, and that religion has convictions, and those convictions are diametrically opposed to everything in this book. If we continue to stand strong for the idea and the reality and the truth that marriage is one man, one woman for life, I promise you we will come up against opposition from the religion of secularism. If we continue to stand strong in the truth that God created us male and female, not 27 flavors, we will come up against opposition, I promise you. The more that you are willing to stand true to the Word of God, the more we will find ourselves in a place of potential persecution. And we're going to have one of two choices at that point. Continue to stand strong for Jesus or blend into the woodwork. What will be the choice? What will be the choice? Because I think even now, some of us are already starting to blend our milkshake. We're already trying to find ways that we can take a little Christianity, a little secularism, mash them together, and call it something that we want to call biblical. And it's not biblical at all. Will we stand with the Word of God? Will we stand with Jesus, even in the face of being whipped and flogged, and I got news for you. I think for most of Christians, for most Americans, being whipped and flogged is nothing compared to having your bank account taken away. We worry a lot more about the financial persecution that could come than any physical persecution that we might face. We need to be ready for it. Paul says, be ready for it. Be ready for it. Now, I got to tell you, honestly, preaching this today, I know most of you are going to be walking out today and you're going to go, man, I was hoping for a dose of happy today. Ugh. Got to go watch me some Joel Olstein and get my happy on. <clears throat> I can blink there, okay? Anyway, you need to teach all the truth of the Word of God, not just the parts that feel good. This is all the truth of the Word of God, not just the parts that feel good. Father God in heaven, we look to you today to preserve us and help us in times of pain and suffering. I cannot imagine being able to say, I was counted worthy of bearing the name of Jesus, of being persecuted for Jesus, and being cheerful about it. All these people, they had a heavenly mindset. They understood what we are so earthbound. We're so bound in the material that we can't see the greater thing. Prepare your church for what is to come. Whatever it may be, prepare your church for what is to come. In Jesus' name, amen. As we go to communion, I'd like you to have a dual focus. One is to hear the words of the song today. They'll be on the screen. It's a song that doesn't talk specifically about persecution, but it talks about some of the pain that comes in, in the waiting, the, the suffering that comes by, by waiting for an answer. Maybe that's where God has you today in your growth.
The other thing I'd like you to do as you consider joining Christ in his sufferings, think about a specific suffering of Jesus as you go for the bread and the cup today. At each of the stations, uh, we have some of these. These are thorns that come off of a wild locust tree uh, that grows down in, the, down in the wetland. And every time I look at these, it's just, it's, it's unimaginable to me that these, something like this was made into a circle and crushed on a head. And that, and that, uh, and that there could be people who would actually take joy in watching those thorns slice, slice through human flesh. Can you imagine that? The pain that was endured. I, I got bumped in the head yesterday by the stupid attic ladder, stood up too fast, boom, got a scratch. Ugh. Nothing compared to this. He lovingly endured this for you and for me. He took the pain with joy for you and me. Think about an aspect of the pain that Jesus went through and thank him for it. Thank him for his suffering or for the example of suffering he is for you and for me. Sing a little louder. <laughs> kind of hard to miss that line, isn't it? Sing a little louder. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. And around midnight, Paul and Silas started singing a little louder. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. The other prisoners are listening to what our life is singing. The prisoners of Satan are listening. They're captives. And you have the truth. We have the hope. Are we singing loud enough that anybody's even hearing the verse? Are we singing loud enough that anybody is hearing the truth? I promise you if you sing, some people won't like it. They won't. Some people, if, if your life sings, some people are not going to like it. But we've been called by God into his family to deliver the message of hope to the world. That's why he left us here. That's why, that's why when you become a believer, he doesn't just, congratulations, you're a believer, come to heaven now. That's why he leaves us here, to let the prisoners know so that we can sing loud enough that they can hear the truth. So as you walk through this week, take on the challenge. Sing a little louder. Let your life sing a little louder. Just keep amping up the volume. Enjoy your week.